we don't get our goals, we get our habits. So how are your habits in your aviation, transportation, or whatever it is specifically that your life consists of? Let's get into the mud with this one. Welcome to the Pilot Wife Podcast, your ongoing checklist for navigating your first-class life as a pilot wife and aviation family. I'm your co-captain, Jackie Elmer. I've been a pilot wife for over three decades, and I cannot imagine any other lifestyle. Yes, there's no doubt it's a mix of turbulence and blue skies, but what life isn't? I'm here to bring you the best that the aviation life has to offer. If you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, details are at the end. And if you want the Pilot Wife Survival Guide and Checklist, go to pilotwifechecklist.com. Now, stow your baggage, strap in, and let's unpack the Pilot Wife life. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Pilot Wife podcast. Now, before we get into goals and habits, I have a couple of updates for you. First, welcome to all the drivers, spouses, and partners from the trucking world. I was honored recently to be interviewed by Ellen Voya's Women in Trucking show on Sirius Radio. And it's so funny because aviation and trucking are very similar lifestyles, which is how the whole thing came about to begin with. When you think about it, they're, they're so parallel, it's crazy. And as we all know, the last two plus years has placed huge stressors on both professions with safety and mandates and uncertainty with jobs, furloughs, extended work hours, crazy conditions, um, challenges with food sources at work, divisiveness on work issues, and so much more. Yes, I know the whole world has been challenged. So um, I'm not. Uh, not really stating anything unique, but from our own perspective on what this lifestyle, a transportation lifestyle, if you will, consists of, I'm speaking most specifically to our group. But anybody who listens to this show, and I know that there are others, can certainly relate to this too. And I acknowledge wholeheartedly that many other professions have had a lot of burdens as well. So first of all, a heartfelt thank you to all of you in transportation for your service and to those at home like me and maybe you keeping the household and families running smoothly. Cause that's a, that's an important part of it. And it's a lot, just know that you're loved, you're appreciated. And please know to reach out. If you have questions, topics, and concerns, we'll get those covered together. We can solve a whole lot. So um, I know we laugh a lot in the American Airlines pilot wife group about how much better we could run the airline, that we could run all airlines, that we could run TSA and more, right? Yeah, I kind of say that jokingly, but come on. We know that great minds come together and we create big, powerful things. So that's kind of one of the things that we joke about. Now, another update, I recently finished and graduated from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition with my holistic and integrative health coaching certificate. And I am super excited about that. It's an area that I've been passionate about for years. And I've coached others on this for years as well, because I love to cook and I've been a fitness buff my whole life and have done a lot of coaching around that, but never really quite official. And so I wanted to make it official. 
I'm like many other people, the last two and a half years, I sat around thinking to myself, gosh, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? How do I want to make impact? How do I want to make a difference? What do I love and enjoy doing? And food and fitness and my five Fs, which we'll talk about again today, um, cover a lot for me. And IIN, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, is one of the most highly respected programs out there. And it's a year-long program. And it really expanded my knowledge and reinforced many of my long-held beliefs about food in general, nutrition, food as medicine, and the, truly the importance of how we fuel our body and how our body will react with that. So I also, through this, created what I call the Sugar Shakedown. It's an in-depth look at why sugar seems to be so addictive the truth about artificial sweeteners, and some habit hacks to kick the sugar habit to the curb. You can just go to my website, peakperformancehabits.com, and you will see the link. Just scroll down to the bottom. You'll see the link there. Grab that guide, follow along, and see if you can't create some slight edge shifts for yourself that will begin to at least, first of all, make you aware of sugar, and how it reacts in the body and what it's possibly doing to you and probably doing to you. And then begin to take some slight edge habit hacks and make some small changes to uh, create what it is that you want. And with that, that's going to lead us right into goals and habits. Now, my favorite mantra, we don't get our goals, we get our habits. And we have habits in all areas of our lives. Now, a few episodes back, I shared my five favorite F words, and they're my bucket values too. And by bucket, I mean, these are the five areas that I focus on, that I always make sure that I am striving to create balance in. And in each of these places, I can then create better goals, set goals for myself, create better habits in each area with my goal of ultimately creating a mostly happy life. And I say mostly happy because the reality of it is life is 50-50. The pursuit of happiness, great movie years ago, Will Smith and his son, but the pursuit of happiness as a 100% goal is absolutely impossible. And the sooner we adapt that belief and buy into it, if you will, the happier we will ultimately be. And by that, I mean, things are going to happen. Things are going to get disrupted. Um, we only control ourselves. We don't control other people. Pandemics hit, doesn't make us happy. People die, doesn't make us happy, but that's the reality of life. So that's why I say life is 50-50. Even on the best day, you may have something that irritates you. You know, you may start out happy, run into an irritation, and then over the course of the day, you may shift from happy, mad, glad, sad, happy, et cetera, many times throughout the day. So let's talk about goals. The definition of a goal really and truly is that it's not so much about hitting the goal, but more importantly, the person that you become on your way to achieving that goal. So I think it's very important to set goals, but more than anything, you have to start with setting the goal and then defining who is the person you must become to achieve that goal. Because clearly, you're not that person right now starting with setting that as a goal, because if you were, you would have already achieved that goal. So as a coach, I'm always working with my clients and myself <laughs> on the concept of self-image. Self-image. 
I want you to think about that word and what does it mean to you? Self-image dictates everything about us, how we show up, how we act, how we react to situations, our boundaries, the boundaries that we set for ourselves, um, our expectations, and more. So I want you to really think about that. I want you to think about your self-image for yourself. And as I mentioned, my five favorite Fs, I talked about this on a previous show, but these are my five favorite F words. And as I mentioned, these are the areas that I strive to create balance in at all times. Faith, family and friends, I lump that into one F, fun, fitness, and finance. And so in looking at those five bucket areas, I have to ask myself, what is my self-image in each of these areas? How do I see myself with regard to my faith? Now, for me, faith is a lot of different things. Certainly, it's my spirituality, my relationship with God and my higher power. It's my personal beliefs. It's my relationship and my faith in myself and my self-worth. So starting with that, I always have to weigh in on what my self-image is of that. How can I truly have a strong spiritual relationship if I am constantly having a negative self-image about myself and my self-worth, right? I'm using self a whole lot of the time, but it's important that we weigh in on that. So I have to get really clear on what my self-image is of me as a spiritual person, as a faithful person, and who I show up as and project out into the world. Family and friends, what's my self-image here? What matters to me in those key relationships? And then I go through this with each area, fun. Hey, what's my self-image regarding having fun? I'm a social person. Now, I always laugh because I'm actually an introverted extrovert. And it's important to note what the definition of those are. Being an introvert does not necessarily mean being shy. More than anything, it's how you draw your energy. So I can go, 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 go. I can be very social. I love to have a busy, booked up calendar with lots of travel on the agenda and book club and movie times and you know happy hours and fun stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that depletes my energy. And so I have to always step back and have that pure me time that recharges my batteries. And so for me, fun is really important on the calendar, but I also know that all these fun times deplete my energy levels. And so I have to step back and take the time to replenish my batteries in that solo time. And then fitness. Fitness for me incorporates a whole lot. It's not just my physical fitness, um, my weight, my health. That's a big part of it, but it's also my mental fitness and all the other areas. Am I fit in my relationships? Hey, what's my fitness level in my relationships? What's my fitness level in my faith? What's my fitness level when it comes to finance and my business and money and security? And that kind of brings me to the, my final F, which is finance. But I weigh in on those and I weigh in on my self-image in each of those areas. Now, I will be the first to tell you, and you may have heard this before because I've shared this, once I started sharing some of these struggles publicly, it's amazing how many people came forward and said, wow, thanks for sharing that. I feel the same way I've struggled in those areas. I've struggled with a bad money mindset most of my life. Negative thoughts about money. Um, and it's kind of funny because I have to say I've never really struggled. I grew up in a very, very middle-class family. 
I can remember one really big vacation that we took for two weeks. We drove to California, but it was fabulous. My parents saved up money, paid for everything. We did Disneyland. We did all of it, you know, down the coast to San Diego, over into Mexico. And it was a great, great trip. Um, but beyond that, our biggest vacations were to visit family at the holidays. We didn't go out to dinner a lot, you know, big, expensive dinners. In fact, I remember the first time as a teenager when I ever really remember going to a fancy restaurant where I really needed to pay attention to which fork I picked up and used and all of that. Um, but at the same time, it's funny because I grew up in a very warm, loving household. My parents are still married, thankfully still living. Um, and they set a great example for me with regard to that. But because of that and because of the way some of my friends lived and a conversation that I overheard my parents having when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I built up this idea that money was short and we were running out. And it's so funny because years later, having a conversation with my parents, they can't even sort of remember what I might have overheard. But, you know, we hear things as young children and we build beliefs around that and we carry that with us so frequently throughout our lives. Sad, but true. So because of that, um, I had to very, first of all, I had to become aware of this negative money mindset that I had, this feeling that money would come, but that it wouldn't last. And so I had to build a new self-image because that original self-image, obviously, as you can hear, was very negative um, because I had this belief that money was not really meant for me. So once I built a successful business of my own, I always had that hidden fear that it would never last. And I had huge imposter syndrome about the fact that I was making money, believing that somehow I was a fake because money was not really meant for me. And I ultimately realized this image of myself was holding me back from achieving my goals and again, becoming the person that I wanted and needed to be to achieve those goals. So this is where habits really come in, goals and then habits, because we know setting a goal is easy, right? It's super easy to set a goal. I used to laugh because I would set a goal to fast for the day, right? I was going to do like a liquid fast or something and it never failed. By the time 5 p.m. rolled around, I was ordering pizza and binge eating it because um, I didn't have the self-image of somebody who could achieve that. So setting the goal at five in the morning was super easy. Achieving the goal at five in the evening, not so much. So we set goals all the time, but achieving those goals happens much less often of the time that we set goals. So unless we get specific on an action plan and create new habits, what can we ever truly change? Because it's our old habits that have created where we are today and unless we intentionally begin to change those habits, how can we ever expect or in possibility and, and, and really create achieving and reaching that goal? So weigh in on that self-image and those goals and habits in every area of your life. And this is what I do with my five Fs. You're welcome to borrow those five Fs or take those five Fs. I didn't actually create them. I created them for myself because five is my lucky number. So I narrowed it down to five, but you may have six or seven. Um, in the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, we talk about 10 core areas, but I've brought all those into five that it's easy for me to focus on. So for instance, if I want a better relationship, 
what habits must I change? And I say me and me alone, because I know from experience that one person can shift a relationship, shift, <laughs> can shift a marriage, um, can shift that bad relationship in many cases. Now, I know sometimes a relationship is just done. And so I'm not talking about those times, but I truly believe with all my heart that if you've ever started a relationship, in most cases, there is hope. And I know that there's a lot of stress and trauma and infidelity and betrayals that take place. And I'm not suggesting that all of that can be overcome, but it's possible that it can be if you and the other person are willing to commit to working on that. And this is where we come back to self-image. So I'm, I'm not giving advice on what you should or shouldn't do. More than anything, I guess if I'm giving any advice, it's just to really think about what it is that you want. And again, what's that self-image you have for yourself in that relationship? What is that self-image in that relationship? How do you see yourself? How do you treat yourself? And based around that, how you see yourself, how do you show up? How do you show up for that relationship? What expectations have you set? What boundaries do you have? And so on. Now, I'm big on boundaries, and I've said this before. There's actually, um, I do the Pilot Wife ABCs, and if you go back, B, the B ABC is boundaries. And, and when I say boundaries, here's the most important thing that I like to stress. Setting a boundary is more about setting that for yourself, okay? It's not putting an expectation on another person. It's putting an expectation and a boundary for yourself. It's basically saying, I'm not telling you what to do, and this is not an ultimatum for you. This is for me. This is me saying, this is what I'm willing to accept, and this is what I'm not willing to accept. And if that boundary and expectation that I've set for myself doesn't align with what you want to do with yourself, then it's a deal breaker. Do you see the difference in that? Do you feel the difference in that in terms of an expectation versus and a boundary for yourself versus an ultimatum or telling somebody else what they have to do in order to fit your goals? It's a big difference. So as a pilot wife and just as a wife in general and in a committed relationship, these are a few of the habits that I incorporated into our life and our relationship. And these created a bit of expectancy for me as well. Now, I'm going to tell you that none of these were habits that my husband asked for. These are just things that I incorporated because they mattered to me. I am a huge fan of a clean house. I just really am. Now, my desk may be covered with piles, but they're organized piles. Uh, I like a neat, clean kitchen. I like to go to bed at night with everything in its place. Now, I'm not perfect by any means. And if you have ever stayed with me, you know that for sure. If you've traveled with me, you know that for sure. And some of you have um, stayed with me even. But those are my goals. A clean, neat house. Not perfect. I'm not a perfectionist in that way at all. But a clean, neat house. And a happy, smiling face. So these are some things that I always wanted to be a part of my home, especially when my husband walks in the door from a trip. I want him to walk in and be happy that he's home with a clean house, me with a happy, smiling face, um, a calm environment, no immediate plans or demands on his time unless unavoidable. Um, and chaos 
either dealt with on my behalf or delayed to share with him later. I just never wanted to hit him when he walked in the door with all this negativity and craziness and have him think, oh my gosh, I just came from, you know, craziness at work, especially now over the last two years with as chaotic as it's all been. My goal is always to have him step into the home and be happy that he's home, a calm environment, a clean environment, food in the fridge or ready to go. And for me, that's easy because cooking is a joy and a passion for me. And good quality food is a high value of mine and always has been for my family. So for me, that's not a hard one. Now, in saying these things, I'm not putting any of this on you because I already hear some groans already and I get it, okay? I'm just sharing with you some things that have worked for me. You have to choose for you in your relationship. You know, in my 50s now, I'm a different generation than some of you and grew up in a different environment. And so some of the expectations and ways of running a home, running a family, managing myself have maybe changed over time. And I know that they have. And um, I, I spoke this once about some of the things that I, do and did and have incorporated into my life. And I've been hit before with some negative comments about, well, you're not being independent or a strong female, not a good role model. And the reality of it is, if you know me, you know that nothing could be further from the truth. Um, I'm a strong female role model. I've run my own business for nearly 30 years. I travel a good bit in my business. So I'm gone too. And I have expectations for arriving home about how I want the house to work as well. I'm a huge bed maker and my husband and I have a deal, at least when I'm home, that the last person out of bed makes the bed. It's just period. It's kind of non-negotiable with me. Occasionally we have those days, whatever, but I can almost guarantee you that he does not make that bed until the last day when I come home from a trip. If he knows he's not going to be in it because I come home late at night, if I arrive home during the day, I pretty much guarantee you that's probably the only day of my trip that he made the bed. Hey, that's fine. Okay. Out of sight, out of mind. If I don't have to see it, that's fine with me. I'm not here to change him. I've just set an expectation or a boundary for myself in terms of making the bed. And we've agreed to it. Now, there are times I, I'm the type of person I get right up. The immediate thing I do is I turn around and I make my bed, assuming he's out of it. I make the bed. Um, that's the way I do it. Not him. He gets up, goes and makes his coffee, goes through the news, does all that kind of thing. And then it could be a couple hours later that he'll make the bed. And occasionally that drives me crazy. But what I realize is that's my problem, not his. And if I need that bed to be made right now, I do it. I do it because that's not a priority for him. He has incorporated that in as a priority because it's important to me but he's going to miss that occasionally much more than I do. That's just an example. So I have an expectation because of the communication that we've had around making the bed. But at the same time, I realize that making the bed every day to him could involve making it at four in the afternoon. And by nine or 10 in the morning, if I want the bed made, I just make it. And now I do it joyfully with no resentment. It took me a while to get to that point, um, but I realized that's, that's a priority to me, not him, and I'm good with it. Now, one area that I struggled with for years is our social life because I'm highly social and I'm married to an extreme introvert. And at the same time, he loves a good party. 
but he does not love a big crowd. He's very particular about who he spends his time with, how he invests his energy. He's a five on the Enneagram. Um, if you haven't uh, listened to my podcast and downloaded the guide on that, make sure that you do that. I'm pretty sure it's at peakperformancehabits.com forward slash Enneagram. Um, but it's, it, that was once I came to terms with my personality type and his personality type, I was much better able to manage that. And it's funny because he's fun. He's funny. He's a party dude, but it's all on his terms. Now I, again, had to find, uh, acceptance with that because I can't change another person. And I don't want my quote unquote terms of service challenged. I have my ways of doing things. And so I've learned to respect his terms of service and his boundaries when it comes to that. And what I learned is that I have a bunco group. I have a book club. I have a movie group. I have travel groups, including my pilot wife groups. I have lots of friend groups where I can go and get my social needs met and leave him out of that equation when he doesn't want to be involved. Now, again, I evolved into this person. I was not always this easygoing, and I did not always do this without resentment. And I'm not going to say that I don't occasionally have resentment too and wish that he would be different than he is. But I have to remind myself, I'm sure there are plenty of things that he wishes I was different in those areas as well. We can't change another person. At least I've never been able to. So if you have some tips for me that work long-term, let me know. I can only change me. So that's what I have done and that's what I do. And again, I'm a work in progress. I don't get it right every single day. So I'm gonna give you some action steps that you can take if you want to begin to set some goals, achieve some goals, and build those habits along the way to support you in success in those areas. First, decide the key areas of your life that you want to set goals in, okay? Again, take my five F if that works for you. Faith, family and friends, fun, fitness, and finance. Then set the goal. Set the goal in each area that you want to work on currently. Set that goal. Okay, in terms of faith or a relationship or whatever it is, set the goal. And then take the time to write out what your vision is of who you must become to achieve the goal. Who must you become? And then take a look at where you currently are. Take a look at how you're showing up. Take a look at the habits that you act on and build into every day of your life. Which of those habits aren't serving you, especially to achieve that goal that you want for yourself? And then what new habits must that person who achieves that goal, that vision, that self-image that you've created for yourself for the future, what new habits does that person have to incorporate? And how do you go about adopting some of these new habits? And again, what steps are required to adopt those new habits? I'm all about slight edge hacks, slight edge shifts. A slight edge mentality will get you there so much faster than the all or nothing mentality that we often incorporate. When you think about New Year's goals and resolutions, I think the biggest reason why most people fail is because they start at 
the base and they set a goal that looks like Mount Everest. And when they haven't achieved that goal in the first few days, they give up because they don't understand the philosophy of who you must become and then the habits that you have to shift to adopting over time. That's where you hear um, it's 21 days to a new habit. Not really. It's been proven to be more like 60 to 90 days. It's 21 days to begin to incorporate the mindset and the knowledge and really getting clear on what that plan is to a new habit, but it's typically longer than that. So I want to introduce the concept of habit stacking to you if you haven't heard this before. And I believe it was James Clear. Um, I'm trying to think what his book is. It's Habit Something. Um, anyway, James Clear is his name, but this is where I believe I first heard the concept of habit stacking. And that is simply adding a new habit to an old one. So instead of saying at 10 a.m. every morning, I'm going to add in this new habit, we're going to stack a habit with an old habit that we've already incorporated to begin to shift that. So a common one is showering or brushing your teeth, something that most of us do every morning. I want to stress most of us. I know. As a pilot wife, sometimes that can get delayed if you're only the only one at home where you look around and think, what the heck? Why do I need to be in a hurry, right? But that gives you an example. So you can stack a new habit onto um, brushing your teeth. And I don't know what it would be. Maybe you want to start a new skincare routine and you want to put a hydrating mask on one day and an um, impurity drawing mask. I don't know what the word is the next day. You can stack that onto your toothbrushing. So when you go to brush your teeth, boom, you put the mask on. You have it set right there on your counter with your toothbrush and your toothpaste. Another example, let's say you want to get into a better routine of working out. So at night, when you put on your pajamas and get ready for bed, you're going to stack that habit with setting out your gym or workout clothes and your shoes and everything right there on your bathroom counter, ideally. Um, so that when you get up in the morning, that's going to be ready to go. You're going to see that and it's going to be a trigger to remind you. Or in the morning, when you start the coffee, set that as a time you're going to stack the habit of setting out, getting something out and, and writing out a plan for a healthy dinner option for that evening. That way, when that time comes around, you don't have to go through the mental um, gymnastics of figuring out then, oh my gosh, it, I've worked all day, I'm tired, whatever. What's going to be my healthy dinner? One of the things that I did with this is I just became a huge crock pot advocate and have been my whole life. So I would throw something in the crock pot knowing that I would get the basics of it done and I could figure it out later. So if it was pulled pork or if it was, you know, a pork shoulder, I could make pulled pork. I could make green chili verde. Um, there was a million things I could do with that, whether if, if it was chicken or maybe you're plant based, whatever it is, you know, I would soak some beans then to throw in the Instapot later have done. Just some ideas for habit stacking. Another thing in building those relationships, you know, when you get up in the morning and you greet your partner for the day, make sure that includes a kiss and, and, and an embrace for at least seven seconds. You're not currently in the habit of doing that because time has gone on and, you know, you've become accustomed to each other, whatever. Let's face it, that happens. You begin to incorporate that into your morning routine when you greet them. You move toward them, you kiss them, you embrace them, and you spend some time. For me, that became my morning routine of all these things, not the kiss and the greeting. That's a different part of my morning routine, but I have a morning routine. 
I wake up and before I even get out of bed, the first thing I do is I weigh in on what my dominant thought, feeling, and emotion is. Am I feeling energized and ready to go because I had a good night's sleep? Great. I will acknowledge that, be grateful for it, and get on about my day. But if I weigh in and think, oh my gosh, I slept terrible. I did not get enough sleep. That thought of not enough can carry through from the whole rest of my day if I'm not careful. So if I wake, it, wake up and weigh in and say, oh, I, I had a really restful or restless night of sleep. I'm tired. I didn't get enough. What's my feeling? My feeling is I'm going to be challenged all day. I don't feel good. My emotion around that is maybe anxiety because I have a full work schedule or something. Then I change that. I decide how I want to feel. I want to feel like I can manage this, that I'm capable regardless of the fact that I'm tired. So for me, that word capable might be the one that I come up with first. Then I'm going to get my journal out and I'm going to do my thought download in my journal. What are for five minutes, I'm going to set the clock and I'm going to write everything that comes to mind. I'm tired. I'm stressed. I have anxiety. My daughter's traveling out of the country. Um, I, I, I need to go to the grocery store. I need to get this podcast done, whatever it is. I just free flow write everything that comes to mind, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because once I have it out on paper, down on paper, it's out of me, it's out of my body, it's out of my mind, it's out of my gut, it's out of all that. And I can take a look at it. And I can begin to evaluate that and say, not, I don't want to say, is this good or bad, but come on, we use those words, but how is this serving me? How is this not serving me? And what are some steps that I can take to do better, to be better? Okay. And then I create a vision and a meditation around that. I can vision myself. I'm going to, my, my to-do list has three big things. It could be recording this podcast. This was one of my goals for today. Um, you know, whatever I'm being interviewed later today. So I have those, those important to-do lists. So it's important that I wake up. If I woke up this morning feeling tired, overwhelmed, or any of that, which I didn't entirely, but I did have a, a break of time last night where I didn't sleep well, we had some weather, whatever. Um, my goal is to let that go and focus on raising up my energy level to perform, to show up, act, perform, and be at my best for today uh, so that I don't allow events from the past that I can't control right now in the present or the future so I don't allow those to take over and dominate where I am. And then from that, I can again write that action list. I write that action list out of everything I need to do. Now, another example, let's say you want to clean out your closet. I might be talking to myself. So set a goal for one item in, so every time you bring something new in, one item, one or two items have to go out. Same with your drawers, same with anything that you want to do a cleanup on. And in terms of the closet and getting organized, you know, set it, instead of taking on the whole closet as a whole, um, pick one color of clothing, maybe all of your black clothes, maybe your multicolor clothes, maybe your pants, your shorts, your skirts, your dresses, whatever. Focus on little small things that you can do to set you up for success to begin to get rid of things, clean up the closet that ultimately allow you to achieve that goal. And again, that self-image, who must you become to have a person with a neat closet? Well, part of that self-image is not holding on to things that no longer serve you, not holding on to something because the price tag is still on, 
not holding on to something because it's a name label and you like the way it looks, but you hate the way it feels or looks on you, right? All of us, well, most of us have that stuff in our closet that fits that bill. It was cute. It was trendy. It was a name label. It was expensive. It was half price, whatever it was. But once we really get it home and try it on and wear it, we don't like the way it feels. We don't like the way it looks on us, but we often hold on to it for some, you know, um, sunken cost reality around it. So hopefully this gives you some ideas on goals and habits. Now I have a checklist for you to make it easier and it's right on my website. Just go to peakperformancehabits.com and click the purple box for your boarding pass. Nothing could be easier, at least to get you started. Then of course, you have to take the steps. But through that, I'm gonna teach you how to upgrade your life, get off the struggle bus, step onto your sleek private jet and enjoy bluer skies, less turbulence, and a fabulous life. Thanks for listening. I am a mindset and peak performance coach, so I work mostly with women to help them rediscover their own sense of identity and purpose and create that better flight plan, avoid that turbulence, and put their own oxygen mask on first. So if you are interested in having a discussion with someone who's been a pilot wife for over 33 years, navigating thousands of miles and moments of life in aviation, along with mommyhood and business, schedule a call with me. Go to coach.pilotwifepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the show, grab the Pilot Wife Checklist at pilotwifechecklist.com. And if you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. Share the show with any pilot wives, military wives, or anyone in aviation you know who might share and benefit from this similar experience. I'll see you on the journey.